0: You're listening to Bands of Botanicals, a unique podcast where trainer and trainee discuss fitness, herbalism, and healthy habits for life. We're your hosts. I'm Paula Kirsch, owner of Botanically Curious and Artisan Herbalist.
1: And my name is Danielle Creese, certified personal trainer and owner of DC Fit. Now, before we get started, if you could do us a brief favor and go to Apple Podcasts and just leave us a review, we'd love to hear from you. And with that being said, let's start the show. Hey everybody! Hey everyone! Welcome back. It is a uh, blue skies out here in Southern Oregon. It felt a little wintry like yesterday. Woke up to some snow after sixty degrees in the in the uh, weekend.
0: And now to Dale in the chopper. It sounds, like a, <laughs> sorry. it sounds like a weather report.
1: Well, it I yeah. I don't know why I just described all of that to you. I guess I was just excited to look out and see blue skies.
0: Paula, how are you doing today? good we just got done with our workout yeah sweaty ready to get into things we're in march which is our springing into health month uh you know women's history month or women's appreciation and international women's day
1: no it, it just did it, uh keeps things i guess like in the forefront of our mind instead mm-hmm. of just always in the back where it's possible to forget in, in whatever the month is is calling for. Um, but this month being March and getting into spring and our theme of springing into health, we wanted to talk about the core because the core is the foundation of all movements. It's it's a powerhouse within the body too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like when your when you're, uh, stomach or when your digestion or when any of that is off, right, Everything else can be off too, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The gut, everything.
1: Yeah. The, what do they call the gut? Like the second brain or something? Have right. they started
0: to say yeah, that? The microbiome inside. Yeah.
1: So we thought it would be, you know, a really great way to uh, continue this theme and just go to the foundation of everything. So we are going to talk about the core. Now, that being said, if you've ever taken. A personal training session. If you've ever been in a boot camp, if you've ever taken a class, if you've ever watched a YouTube video, if you've ever scrolled Instagram, mm-hmm. you hear about the core. Mm-hmm. Draw on the core. Engage the core. You are the core. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what it what it what does that even mean? I mean, I feel like when po- most people think about the core, they think it's just the abdominals that you could see. So, like when they want to work the core, they want to work their six pack, or right. they want to get a six pack. Mm -hmm. But it's so much more than that, as we've learned pretty much everything is. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: So much more than it seems. And so I just wanted to give, from the physical perspective, a little brief breakdown of what the core is. And then we're going to delve into a bunch more things. Um, We're going to really break down some of the muscles. We're going to get into strengtheners. We're going to get into ways that you could eliminate um, fat and weight around the midsection and why... Holding weight there could be um, an issue just because it is a different type mm-hmm. of fat that's around there than, than in other parts of the body. And those are things, you know, until I became a, a personal trainer and until I started researching this stuff, I didn't realize that there were different kinds right. um, of fat or that having fat in one place versus another place could influence the body or anything like that. And then Paula, our our wise one over here, is going to talk about the lymphatic system.
0: Yeah. So really, you know, we're going to be talking about obviously the core stabilizing a lot of those things, but then also just stabilizing yourself as we're shifting from seasons, no matter where you are, you might be shifting from warm weather, weather to colder weather, or, you know, like we are here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, finally getting out of winter and coming into spring and the the dormancy of a lot of that. And what that means for like our lymphatic system, Um, our endocrine system, what kinds of things we should really be focused on. And we even had a guest on the show that mentioned, you know, herbs shift and your need for your needs in health and wellness shift with the seasons. And they really should for those reasons.
1: Yeah. I mean, we are part of, yeah, this earth, it makes sense that our bodies also change. I mean, Mm -hmm. the animal kingdom changes, the plant kingdom changes. We are not above or beyond that. So it's a cycle. Yeah. It's natural for us to, to, to change as well, but we don't think about it mm-hmm. because we always, I mean, even when you go to the grocery store, you have every type of food available to you, no matter what the season is. We have access to supplements. We have access to this and that, that maybe we don't listen as well as we should. Right. And you are going to give us some tools for that. And also, you know, what are some great things to bring into the body in order yeah. to help with that shift? Right. Yeah. So what is the core coming back to that main question? The core is a group of muscles that stabilize and control the pelvis and the spine. So when you think about the core, it is almost the bridge Mm. and the gateway between the upper body and the lower body. So not only does it stabilize, not only does it control, but it really extends itself beyond that as well. And that's why, you know, sometimes if you're not, for example, one of my favorite things to do with clients is put them in a shoulder press because I, (laughs) Paula laughs. We did just work shoulders so she also kind of hates me right now <laughs> but um when you go into a shoulder press i would be able to tell whether you are engaged in your core or not because you'd be really hyperextending the lower back you'd almost be pushing your ribs outwards rather than knitting them in so you know you'll be you must oh, sorry you may be thinking oh i'm working my arms but if everything else isn't working, then you're going to get lower back pain. And if that happens, it may throw off your hips. And if that happens, it may throw off your knees. And when your hips are thrown off, right. it could throw off your shoulders, which then throws off your neck. So the core is literally, that's why we talk about the core being the foundation. Right. Um, the core is made up of not just the muscles you see if someone has a six pack, but those are the rectus abdominis. Those are what we literally quote unquote call the six pack abs, the most superficial ones. Mm-hmm. But they go from the lumbar spine down to the pelvis, so you can see that extension that it has throughout that front part of the body. Um, we also have obliques, which are the sides of our core, and we have our transverse abdominis, which is the deepest muscles of our uh, of our abdomen and of our core. And then the diaphragm gets pulled into that as well Um, muscles of the back like the erector spinae and the quadratus lumborum or the qls get pulled in as well so there's really this whole system that's being worked and that you have to be aware of in order to have a healthy engaged activated functional core um doing a thousand crunches a day i'm sorry that's not going to give you a healthy core
0: right
1: you're going to be really imbalanced actually. Um, and that's, you know, a lesson that I had to learn. I definitely was younger and I would be like, okay, every night before bed. And this was like middle school and high school. I'd be like, I must do 300 crunches Holy crap. or a hundred crunches. And then other things, whatever it was, but that was all I was doing. Like I wasn't deeply engaging anything. Like right. it was very superficial. So that's
0: why we're going to talk and break down those muscles a little bit. So speaking of just really investing in your body and really focusing on some of that body work, it's the same thing when we talk about winter dormancy and really the stagnation. So you're focusing on moving yourself, your health, your practices into something that's really going to stabilize your whole health a lot like what kinds of practices we're going to be talking about with the core to stabilize the whole core. It's not those superficial things where, okay, it's sunny outside, now I have to go work out, some of those things. So really, this is why I wanted to bring in some of the stagnation that happens, the lack of flow within the body that can happen sometimes in the winter, and really the lymphatic system. So the lymphatic system, the easiest way to really explain it for everyone is that it's like the gutters on your house. Over winter, they get kind of mucked up with leaves and all of this gunk. And if you're not going in spring cleaning, bringing all that stuff out, your gutters cannot take the moisture and those liquids and that excess away from your house. And if your gutters are overflowing, if they're mucked up, if your lymphatic system is mucked up, then you're gonna be holding a lot more moisture. And in a house with gutters that's overflowing, you're gonna get rot. And that's exactly what happens within the body. So looking at that is like the spring cleaning, the getting into it, focusing on your lymphatic system, making sure that it has and you're nurturing it as much as you can so it can do its job. I'm a really big advocate for your body knows what it's doing. You don't need to interfere as much as you think you do with detoxes and all of those things. That's not what I'm talking about, but gently supporting it to make sure that it can get its job done. Mm-hmm. You know, an easy way to do this is like metal tea is fantastic you know going through and looking at the light that's coming in through the new season and just cleaning your home maybe you're planting seeds nettle tea is fantastic because it's it's drying and it's pulling it's helping to pull a lot of that and it's also very good for whole health mm. and so it promotes a, a lot of those things and so if you're not already someone who's very dry now if you are very dry um, almost atrophied at some points in your body. You don't want to use nettle all of the time, but nettle tea is fantastic.
1: So question for you then. Mm. Um, being familiar with my accident and you've kind of seen like my leg and stuff, like mm-hmm. my calf because of the paralysis is extremely atrophied. Mm-hmm. And there's probably nothing I could really do about that. So would I want to avoid the nettle or since this is a long term, like how would I? Or someone maybe in a similar situation right. to me, how would they approach using nettle?
0: So the fantastic thing, we talk about energetics and we've talked about it on the show before. So if for our listeners who haven't listened to that, go back to the energetics section so you can get, and I'll recap here with some of that. But what I would say for your constitution in your body and what I've seen, you are cold, dry. Mm-hmm. So there's a lack of circulation throughout the body, which can happen. And that's not necessarily with the lymphatic system lymphatic is where you're really holding on to moisture in certain areas in your lymph nodes and things. Mm-hmm. And so when you do have that cold, dry body, you're going to want something that's warming and almost moist to balance that out. And the, the way that herbs are really great with that is because it's not like pharmaceuticals where if you drink too much nettle tea, it's going to cause a huge problem. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like, Oh, let's okay. We've gone a little too far. Let's correct it by going the other way. Mm-hmm. And so they are a lot more forgiving. Um, that being said, yeah, you know, things like dandelion, which is fairly drying, uh, and nettle wouldn't necessarily be the ones for you. You would be more like licorice, marshmallow, things that have a little more, more moisture. And then you pair those with things that are a little more warming. So when we talk about energetics, um, you know, and I might jump into a little bit of that here because we talk about the hot, cold, which is more of temperature, metabolism, some of those things, moist, dry, which is like your fluid or your tissue content, and then we've got like toned and lax. So you can have a variation of all of these, and the energetics that your body has and the energetics of the plant have different degrees, and they can always shift. And so we see shifts in the season like that. Mm -hmm. And so with like cayenne, ginger, some of those things we know are warming, they have different degrees of heat, and they focus on different areas of the body. So you want to focus on those energetics first. But, yeah, it's definitely something where if you know you're dry – don't don't really do any excess drinking of nettle it's great for you know um women's health to a certain extent but if you know you're dry shift to something like uh red clover and licorice and some of those where you know that it can support your body in similar ways without exacerbating an issue you already have gotcha Mm -hmm. gotcha oh okay
1: a lot of information to start with already um and you know like paula and i have said throughout this entire podcast and I loved what she said, like the gentle support for your body and, and supporting it so that it it could function the way it already knows how to function. Mm -hmm. The problem is we're so far away from supporting our body on such a regular basis, whether it's because we're busy or because we're just not paying attention. Um, So uh, appreciate that for sure. Um, So we're going to be bouncing back and forth between uh, the physical, the physical aspects of the core, and then the herbalism and and things that we that you could support for your lymphatic system and, and moving from winter to spring. So coming back a little bit, uh, I want to move through the muscles of the body, and I want to do it from the most superficial to the deepest because the superficial ones, like we've talked about, that rectus abdominis, that quote unquote six pack abs, those are the ones people are most familiar with. So When you look at those, um, they're situated, as I mentioned, from the lower ribs down to the pubic bone. Uh, Their primary action is to flex the lumbar spine. And that's where that kind of crunch Mm -hmm. comes in. That's why when people think about making a six-pack or back in the day when that was all people were trying to do, crunches, that's why we have that idea that crunches were the things that we needed to do. So that primary action is to crunch the trunk and the lumbar spine. So it also, other thing that it does, works with the erector spinae. So those are these long muscles that run up and down on either side and around the uh, spine, mm-hmm. and those help us keep us upright. So do these uh, all of these core muscles kind of help to keep us upright? And that's where uh, the core is also a paramount aspect to um, posture. Right. So they look good, right? If you got them you appreciate them. They look good, but what else do they do? They help hold us upright. They help flex the lumbar spine, but they also help neutralize the effects of the psoas pulling the spine into lordosis. So Mm -hmm. for those who aren't super familiar with that, the psoas is this muscle on the interior part of the body. And it's actually one of the few connecting muscles between your spine and your lower body. So it, it, It can do so much good, but it also can be really tight. I mean, like almost all the time when you do crunches, when you're sitting, when you're um, doing squats, when you're working your hip flexors, you're working your psoas. So sometimes when your psoas is really tight, you may go into an interior uh, pelvic tilt. And when you go into an interior pelvic tilt, you're getting into that Uh, hyperlordosis of the spine. So you're creating that big arch of your lower back. So I don't know if you've ever felt, you know, certain moves that you're doing where you're really arching your lower back, or sometimes when you're, you have back pain, you may notice that you're kind of, you're sitting into your lower back with that arch. So the, if the psoas is pulling it into that interior tilt, then the rectus um, abdominis, also helps pull it back and kind of neutralize that so that you could pull into a more posterior tel- and neutralize that lower back. So mm-hmm. Paul and I, and anyone who works with me, right. anyone who takes my bootcamp classes, anyone knows that I've been really big on this little tuck of the hips in order to neutralize that spine, which as they feel also, and Paula,
0: tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you feel right. that your core turns on when you do that. Yeah. Definitely. We did an entire workout and I think we did maybe 30 seconds of a traditional crunch, but I was working my abs almost the entire hour Mm -hmm. because there's so many ways that you can engage that. And, you know, thinking of that curve that ends up happening, you know, women who are pregnant a lot of time holding a lot of weight or if you hold a lot of weight in your midsection, your body naturally wants to Mm -hmm. march Mm -hmm. to counteract that weight. Yeah. I mean, literally
1: like exactly what you just said. So let's put ourselves in a different position. Let's put ourselves in a lunge position. If you're not activating your rectus abdominals, if you're not engaging your core, and I'm going to get into what that exactly means again. Also, another one of those trigger words you hear all the time. But until it clicks on how to engage, it's really hard to kind of feel that, you know, so I'll get into that a little bit later. But let's say you're in a lunge, you're not activating any of your core muscles you may find that you have, if you're trying to stay upright, this deep arch in your lower back. So that's at hyperlordosis. So once you engage and kind of knot your ribs in or like tuck your ribs in almost, this tucks the hips under, it gives you that neutral spine. Now a good way to think of this is if you think of your core as a bowl of soup. right? And this anterior pelvis tilt versus the posterior t- pelvis tilt. So when you're anteriorly tilting, you have no engagement. You have that big arch of your lower back and you're almost spilling the contents of the soup out. Like that bowl is falling forward. If you are engaging and you're strengthening and you're activated and you have that posterior pelvic tilt, imagine like you're bringing that bowl back in order to keep all of those contents in. So that's kind of, you know, I talk about how the rectus abdominis shouldn't be the focus because I think too much of us, too much of our mindsets are caught up on the way that our core looks versus the deep functionality of it but as you can see it's still a very important muscle that shouldn't be neglected it just right. also needs you just also need to take into consideration all the other muscles of the core
0: yeah and if you want to have that kind of bigger butt look don't start arching your back <laughs> to do it cuz that's going to cause some serious issues like do the real booty work you need to do and oh yeah you know don't start walking around like a duck
1: No, no. Oh my God, no. Just build up that booty and always. And something that I did in class today, because we had a lower body day, you know, sometimes when this is going to sound ridiculous sometimes, and then I'm going to pass it on to Paula, who's not going to sound ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes if you're working that butt and you need a little extra, oh, just like give yourself a little slap on the ass. All right. (laughs) A good old fashioned baseball slap, except it's not coming from a stranger. It's coming from yourself. And I know that sounds crazy and we're totally going off topic, but you know, there's some fun in that sometimes. And yeah, don't arch that back in order to push your butt out more. Just build your butt. What are you doing? What are you
0: doing? Yeah. Well, and you know, we're talking about health and we're talking about real lifestyles and insecurities and Mm -hmm. you know we work on instagram a lot of the time and we post some what we hope people see is real photos and real things and yeah there's a there's a lot of unhealthy habits that we form especially at a young age like that posture of sticking your butt out and arching your chest forward as women to almost walk like a duck, that's going to really harm you for the rest of your life. So it's, it's joking in some senses, it's serious in others, no judgment here, we've all been there. Oh yeah. And that's why I brought it up, you know, personal experience, just shaking the butt. Anyways, (laughs) so back to seriousness, I don't know if I can really fulfill that right now, but Talking about uh, the lymphatic system and really what to do. So, we're talking about supporting yourself. You know, the core is like the girdle within your body, it's really tightening Ooh, everything. Yes, you just. Mm, right. Yes. And we talked about uh, herbs and how you really, it's really important to focus on the energetics of your body, knowing those things before you select herbs, knowing the energetics of the herbs and how that's really going to focus on yourself. And if you have any questions on those things, always reach out to us. And reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. But like I mentioned, you know, um, and the other thing is nettle can be a little cooling and drying. So for your particular body type, let's not necessarily go towards those. But there's plenty of other things that you can do to support your body in that. And healthy lymphatic system isn't necessarily detox. Like I mentioned, it's not drinking a bunch of dandelion or nettle tea to flush things out of your body, but it's doing the real work of cleaning and doing some of that spring cleaning. So drinking a lot of water is all the detox you really need a lot of the time for your body. Don't buy into all the gimmicks and all the things that they're selling on Instagram and everything else. Your body knows how to do the work Mm -hmm. unless you've been to a doctor, that doctor has told you that those organs are not functioning properly Don't assume they're not. They know what they're doing. So just Mm -hmm. drink a lot of water, and that'll really help to wake up and flush out your lymphatic system as you go into those warmer months. Eating healthy, you know, eating fruits and vegetables. Talk about, you know, nutrient-rich, how adding uh, any kind of herb and knowing there's vitamins, minerals, and a lot of things within that, you know, like seaweed is really fantastic. Um, And then healthy fats, you know, not going on some of those trend diets. That's not going to help help your lymphatic system. Don't go on a like you know, week long water cleanse. It's not what's going to help flush out your body. Your body needs those things. You need to support yourself. Um, And like we're going to, what we're talking about right now, and what we always talk about, which is exercising daily, doing some anaerobic exercising, just getting outside, maybe working in a garden, whatever that might be, Uh, being more conscious of your food. And if there's pollutants in your food or your water, trying to get some of those out, because that's where that Detox really needs to happen, maybe eating organically, if you can afford to do that, or growing your own food to kind of bring that power back to yourself. Um, Because I tell you what, having the chickens in the long run is cheaper than the crazy increase of egg prices that they had during COVID, which was just highway robbery, which is really, really unfortunate. Um, And then just learning to manage stress, which will really support the lymphatic system. And constantly looking at some of those things in a whole health approach. Um, the other thing we're going to be talking about is the endocrine system and how that really connects. The interesting thing about the endocrine system and the reason why I'm bringing it in today is because when we're talking about shifting into the seasons, there's different signals that weather plays on your body and your body recognizes those And the endocrine system also makes a shift when it sees those. And so Mm. we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Cool. I, I, I
1: kind of like that you just finished off with that um, whole health approach Right. because that's what we talk about with this core is the whole – Mm -hmm. The whole core being activated and being supported and being strengthened. So the next muscle I wanted to go into was the obliques. So the obliques are the muscles on the sides of our core. Um, They create an X shape across the abdomen and around the side of the waist. So the external obliques are high and their muscle fiber orientation moves downward. The internal obliques are lower. Muscle fiber orientation moves upward. Um, and the primary function of the obliques is rotation, lateral flexion and flexion of the lower spine. So lateral flexion, just to clear that up is like when you do a side bend,
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: which when done properly, I really love. Oh,
0: for sure.
1: Um, and one of the great things about the obliques is that when you're strengthening one side, you're lengthening the other. So you're kind of doing like this little stretch and strength and, a dance between both sides, which I think is wonderful. And just, just think of the importance of having muscles that will properly support you to rotate. Right. I mean, one of the things about the core is that whether you are intentionally working it, whether you are exercising, whether you are sitting, whether you are moving from your car to a standing position, whether you are gar- literally anything you are doing it is functioning and could be functioning better for you. And think about all of those times you rotate and think about how often you hear like, oh, I turned around real fast and I I, I uh, strained something in my back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so, so many day-to-day instances in which if you are not prepared, you could injure yourself even if you're not working out. Oh, for sure. I mean, and and to have that awareness and to kind of make it second nature for yourself is where you become the safest version of yourself. Um, and I'm just going to go into the next one real quick because I was a little bit of a shorter one, but transverse abdominus because I think this is the um, – the one of the most important parts of the core if not the most important part of the core because it is the abdominal muscles that are attached to the spine so they run between the pelvis and the rib cage they wrap around the waist and the back so just as a Paula had mentioned that core being the girdle. Mm-hmm. This is the actual part of the core that acts as the girdle. Yeah. So the, the muscle fiber orientation is horizontal. So literally, you could imagine it literally wrapping itself around your core. And what is it doing? One, it's compressing the abdominal contents. So it's drawing in, it's supporting all of the organs mm-hmm. that are around the abdomen. And one of the coolest things about this muscle and this is where I kind of nerd out a little, is that it's one of the only muscles in the body that assists in axial extension. So this is where I think you could kind of start to understand the engagement of the core. So when you think about or you hear a coach cueing you to draw in and to get taller, when you think about drawing in the core, you automatically kind of get taller in your stance, or at least you should be. And that's a good indication if you are drawing in because you're almost extending the muscles of the core you're making yourself tall you're drawing a navel to spine and it's this muscle this transverse abdominus that is predominantly Um, responsible for this nice extension this elongation which also think about it keeps your posture better Mm -hmm. I mean huge role in your posture it also helps with the spine which I'm going to get into that a little bit later of why strengthening the core again is so important and the, the best thing and the difficult thing about the transverse abdominus is that it's not a movement creating muscle and it's not a movement dependent muscle. So it's challenging because there's no one thing where you could be like, oh, I feel my transverse abdominis, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you can feel engaged and you can feel activated. And since it's not movement dependent, you can literally engage and should be engaging your transverse abdominis all the time. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's unrealistic to think that you are going to be engaged all day, every day, 24 right. seven. But if you're mindful of it, then you notice the way that you're sitting or you notice the way that you're standing and you're like, Oh crap, I'm not drawn in. And you draw in, that's going to be way more superficial than you having obviously no mindfulness of it, mm-hmm. no intention of drawing in. And I just wanted to be clear, And then we're going to go into the endocrine system a little bit. This is a stabilizing muscle. It can and should be activated during all movement, inside and outside of the gym. But when you do activate it, I just want to be clear that it's not this, it's not so aggressive that it's causing you to move into a crunch, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I want you to try this if you're listening. If you like really, really excessively drawn, you may feel that your body kind of rounds forward. And that's not what you're looking for. It's 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 more subtle than that, it's more mindful than that. Again, you're not trying to go into a crunch, so don't think about drawing in so hard that you move forward and down. You're thinking about drawing in so that you get taller and again go into that axial extension. That kind of like wraps up um those the frontal portion or the interior portion of our core. And you know We do have the diaphragm, as I mentioned as well, that's important for respiration, the erector spinae in the back that extends the vertebra- vertebral column and works with the rectus abdominis to help keep us upright. And then we have the quadratus lumborum or the uh, QLs on the lower part sides of our back. And their action is just kind of like those obliques, lateral flexion of the vertebral column, Both sides help with extension of the spine, uh, supports lateral stability. So when you're thinking about the core, it's not just what you see in the front, but it's that whole trunk that you're trying to strengthen so that they all support each other.
0: Yeah. I really love that because, you know, we're talking about just getting into warmer weather, shaking off some of the cobwebs, you know, supporting ourselves. And we mentioned the endocrine system and really, you know, Exercise is a really easy way to do that, focusing on some of those things. And like you said, you can totally injure yourself without even actually working, right? You can just like move your laundry basket. Most of my injuries. Yeah. And, you know, as laundry too. (laughs) Yeah. It's like we're getting into the warmer months. You know, you're going to be moving more or maybe, you know, you might be, uh, getting into the colder months so you're sitting more but you're still working out at the gym so this really applies you know we're talking about a lot of these things so with the endocrine system the endocrine glands actually release hormones into your bloodstream and so this is important because it controls your mood uh, growth of your body development the way your organs are working metabolism you know reproduction all of those things and it also just regulates how much hormone is released and so it's really important Mm. to just acknowledge it Right. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to have a real in-depth knowledge of every single system within your body to realize, hey, what's something I can do to at least softly support this. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, activities that the endocrine system really has. uh involves these complex feedback loops throughout the body so it's a constant back and forth of this is what's happening now we're going to react to that Mm -hmm. and that really happens a lot of the time with like how much are you moving what are you eating then in response to that we're going to be releasing certain hormones levels of hormones you know all of those things it's going to definitely factor into how your body is functioning as a whole so that's why we want to just make sure that we mention it And then the really interesting thing that I mentioned before is that your body recognizes the shifts in the seasons and the hot and the cold temperatures within your body. And so, you know, I found this really interesting because uh, your pituitary hormones peak in late summer and then your effector hormones usually peak in winter, spring. And so those are the ones, the effector hormones are the ones that are really regulating body parts of like your eyes, your lungs, some of those things that are more of just like functional. You're waking up the body, you're doing some of those things. And then um, spring pituitary kind of hormones or some of those things where uh, in the late summer when that happens, that's like you know breeding season essentially (laughs) for a lot of animals and some of that stuff. And so it's interesting to see um how even though we see ourselves as evolved beings we're still really really controlled by the seasons and some of those things within our bodies and so you know looking at some of that you're thinking like so how exactly do i use herbs to do all of this like all of this kind of sciencey stuff great whatever um and it really like i mentioned focusing on like your liver your kidneys supporting those having that dandelion teeth that's something that helps because it is a diuretic so it's helpful for like occasional winter water retention which happens you know i'm more of a moist person so that definitely happens to me and flushing out excess fluid so you can use herbs in that way absolutely um if you're wanting to support your liver we've mentioned milk thistle a lot of the time and how that's really important and you can take that long term without any kind of side effect Mm -hmm. Um, but the one that I'm going to talk about, because we see these seasonal herbs, we mention every single season. Winter comes into play, and the only thing people can talk about is elderberry, right? Because it's so great for your immune system and all of those things. One that uh, I haven't really heard spoke about too much in the spring is astragalus. So this is just the root aspect of the plant, and you can find it at um, the online or health food stores in powder form, and you put those into baked goods or smoothies. Um, Astragalus, it's A-S-T-R-A-G-A-L-U-S, for those that might want to look it up online or read a little bit more about it, but the energetics of the herb are warm and drying, so that when we talk about drying, it's like that tonifying, astringent, kind of like That's how I can explain it, Mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about tonifying, it's like kind of sucking things up and in. And so if you know that you're um, more of a moist person, perfect. If you're a cold, moist person, potentially, this would be a great one for you. And it's marketed mostly for stress, um, almost like an adaptogen, not necessarily. But it really helps with uh, immunity, liver function, circulation, which is really great. Um, It can be used to prevent respiratory infections, protecting the liver, like I mentioned, antibacterial and anti-inflammatory, which is huge when you want to incorporate anything, the more that it can really just support whole health is really important. And the biggest thing for me is chronic fatigue when you're coming from winter into spring. And this is one that can really support that by helping to cleanse the liver and improve spleen health. So chronic fatigue, really some people feel that more in the winter coming into the spring because seasonal affective disorder, but it can happen throughout the entire year. So you can take this particular herb for up to four months at a time. It takes about a month or so to really see and start feeling the effects of it. And if you notice after four months, it's really a seasonal thing. You know, months and seasons change every three to four months. Same thing with your herbal routine. You should do that. The spleen really important though, because it filters the blood throughout the body. And what that means is it's taking those old red blood cells and it's infusing new red blood cells. And so that's really important um, for anybody who potentially might have issues with that. But if you are already aware that you have an autoimmune disease, maybe you have lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, pregnant or nursing, this is not the herb for you. So I just want to say that up front. You know, I, we always say research everything because I'm sitting here generalizing these herbs and telling you the energetics, not saying because I don't know your energetics specifically as a listener. But if those are things for you. So, like I mentioned, it's just the root aspect of it put into a powder. And for those that are able to grow it, um, it's actually one of those that takes like almost up to four years to really see a good harvest for it. So, mm. not necessarily one you'd want to grow, but um, just go ahead and find a reputable source for that
1: yeah or maybe you know yeah you supplement it with a, a source and then if you do want to grow it you
0: can wait a little mm-hmm. you have to
1: earn you have to earn it <laughs> essentially <laughs> some patience um that's awesome i love that you're bringing in you know herbs that we are both familiar with and also not familiar with because there's so so much out there especially in the plant plant world that is so under our radar but still available to us and still mm-hmm. so supportive for our bodies and so necessary for our bodies and it's just we only think of the things we see all the time or we only think of of you know the pharmaceutical medications and i just appreciate you bringing in kind of all these new herbs and ideas into the conversation yeah Um, so I kind of wanted to shift from the muscles. Now that we've talked about the muscles of the, of the core, I wanted to shift to what happens when we carry most of the weight in the midsection. Um, just because like I mentioned, I had, you know, growing up, I had no idea that there was a difference between Mm -hmm. types of fat or where we carried our fat or whether it made a difference. I had no idea about any of that. So you may not either. So we all carry fat through our body. I mean, it is essential. It is an essential part of the body. It helps us to absorb, uh, vitamins and do a really necessary thing. So it's not necessarily the, the enemy per se, but obviously that comes with a grain of salt and it comes with balance. So what happens when we carry it specifically around our midsection? Now, the difference between certain types of fat are subcutaneous fat versus mm-hmm. visceral fat. Mm-hmm. And subcutaneous fat is kind of the fat that you could pinch or the fat that you could kind of feel on and palpate. Yeah, on the top. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's, it's the more superficial right. layer, I guess you could say. The visceral fat, which is Around the abdominal cav- uh, area, it's fat carried deep within the abdominal cavity and the spaces between our organs. So that's one of the main reasons it becomes dangerous is, it be- is-, <laughs> is because it is surrounding the organs. So the stomach, uh, the intestines, the liver, it could interfere with all of those things because visceral fat can actually disrupt hormone function. Right it's been linked with metabolic disturbances it can increase your risk for cardiovascular d- disease and diabetes and that could happen to someone you know that's why type 2 diabetes comes into play because with it affecting your hormones it does affect and can influence the way the body uses insulin right because with the fat being situated around the liver and the way that it affects hormones it could affect that insulin resistance. So, you know, you could start off or you could be born one way. And, you know, this is all things for all, every single person. I don't Mm -hmm. care if you are the most fit right now, there is no guarantee where you are going to be for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit happens. Like you, you know, something stressful happens, something traumatic happens, something even pleasurable, you know, even those when you first get into a relationship i mean when i first met jeff i could give a shit about my exercise <laughs> i was freshly in love and i was you know all i wanted to do was be around him whether that meant eating pizza at any time of the night mm-hmm. going out to the bar because we were living in korea so we were also experiencing that for the first time and i was just having fun and i was happy mm-hmm. and. I think I put on like 30 pounds in my first year in Korea and my first year with Jeff. And so I want, I I don't want this to be a conversation where it's like, Oh, I don't need to listen to this because it doesn't affect me right now because it could always end up affecting you. Yeah. In, in both ways, whether you're on one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum, all can be changed, influenced and um, you know, affected by the things that are going on in our life.
0: Well, that's why we talk about the ender- endocrine system and the lymphatic system, because there's a lot of people with type one diabetes out there that were never overweight. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a lot of those mm-hmm. aspects of our, our, bod- our bodies and the systems within our bodies that we really have to be in tune with. To support whole health. This isn't saying that just because you have additional weight in your body, you're going to get diabetes, or if you don't have it, right. you won't. It's saying, you know, there's all of these factors. Be in tune with your body. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're supporting your body the best way you can. And if you know it's a factor, especially in your family's health, uh, you know, try to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, thank you. You literally took the
1: words right of my mouth right out of my mouth because you know, visceral fat or subcutaneous fat, it doesn't have to just be because of the food you intake or the type of lifestyle you you have. It could be genes. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, your hormones being off. I mean, we, uh, Paula and I have talked about PCOS before Mm -hmm. in our, just in our private conversations and stuff and polycystic ovarian syndrome, if I'm not mistaken. And one of the, um, symptoms of it is that you do have weight gain because your hormones are off if I'm not mistaken and right. I'm, I'm new to learning about this I'm not gonna lie but if I remember correctly your hormones are off so it leads to weight gain and exercise isn't always the answer for that because you know it causes stress to other parts of the body right. in regards stress to this yeah. specific issue um, so you know sometimes it it is something bigger than just that you like ate a cheeseburger you know so i don't right. want again this should never be surrounded with any type of shame or guilt or negativity mm-hmm. but just awareness and knowledge so that we could do something about it. Absolutely. So the good news is, is that you can. Woo. <laughs> so, I mean, Paula has told us about herbs that help bring that subtle support into our body. Even beyond this podcast, we've talked about herbs that help with digestion. We've talked about herbs that help, you know, just move things through the body and keep you feeling better. So those are things that you could do yes, of course, watching what you eat is probably going to be the first thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. But it's not just that. I mean, moving the body is a huge, huge factor. And it, you know, the combination of exercise and diet can stimulate the loss of visceral fat and the overall health of your core. And you don't even have to do like, Maybe the misconception is that it has to be an hour or nothing or the misconception has to be that like it has to be the most intense exercise. Mm. And the reason I call bullshit on that is – and the reason I hate it, that people think that is because then it becomes also an intimidation factor for people. Right. I mean so many people I know – I'm now currently working at an F45. I was working at a um, oh, an sure. Orange Theory. I am teaching my own boot camps. And from people I hear, oh, I'm not – I'm not fit enough to do that yet. Mm -hmm. And that's where people get into their head. That's where people end up doing nothing. And it doesn't have to be that high intensity. We talk about how moderate exercise literally as much as a 30 minute walk. If you do that Mm -hmm. five times a week, six times a week, I would even argue to say three or four times a week because that's where you're starting. It's going to promote visceral fat loss. Mm -hmm. It's going to give you a healthier body. It's going to make those changes. And it's not necessarily how hard you're working, but also the frequency in which you're working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this thing called NEAT that I've been learning about in mm-hmm. my nutrition certification. And I recently talked to Paul about this and this was non-exercise activity thermogenesis. If I'm not mistaken, that tea always gets me, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And all it's saying is that yes, you can have intentional exercise for 30 minutes or one hour of the day, but what else are you doing? Are you taking the stairs or are you taking the elevator? Are you sitting for literally six hours straight at your right. desk without getting up once? Right. I mean, Even if you got up for 10 minutes every couple of hours, that is going to influence your body
0: and influence the way that it works. And I think that's really important to focus on because your body is a really smart system. And so when it sees that you're going to the gym, you're exerting energy in this particular hour, it's going to unconsciously make sure you're not moving a lot throughout the day to balance that out. And so a lot of the time, you know, people are like, oh, I'm working out and you have maybe an issue with then if I work out really hard, my appetite increases or then I'm just don't have energy to move throughout the day that's your body trying to balance everything out mm-hmm. and so easy ways to incorporate you know doing an extra walk like you mentioned some of those other things to just continue to move throughout the day because if you can focus on hey my body's trying to balance out because at the end of the day it's trying to survive it is not superficial it doesn't care if you have your beach body or whatever the mm-hmm. hell it is mm-hmm. it's like look you just totally exacerbated yourself doing this workout or maybe you did something else i'm just going to slowly calm you down. Make sure you're not moving much. Make sure you go home and you just sit and watch Netflix, whatever it is, to make sure you're not moving because we need to balance things out. You just shook it up a little too much. So focusing and remembering and seeing those things and making sure that movement is throughout the entire day, just not for an hour a day. I mean, I
1: I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before and I'll never forget it. And I hope that this is correct because I've quoted it a bunch. So Ryan, not that I think you're listening, but if you are... (laughs) This was from you. He was uh, one of my coworkers at Orange Theory. And I'll never forget him saying that your hour of work is 4% of your day. So what are you doing with the rest of your day? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if if you can just remember to move for 10 minutes every few hours, even me. I get so caught up and so tunnel vision Mm -hmm. that I'm like, oh yeah, I got my hour and whatever. Like I need to now buckle down and just work. Mm -hmm. I need to shift out of that perspective as well. So it's just, let's constantly remind each other of how we could better support our bodies without overly training our bodies or Mm -hmm. like feeling like we need to literally work out intensely for five hours a day in order to achieve something. Those non-exercise activities are going to add up more than you could possibly realize. And then, you know, a final huge thing is how you manage chronic stress. Right. I mean, when we are super stressed, especially all the time, we release cortisol, which is that stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And think about when you're really stressed. One, you're probably not grabbing the healthiest food. You're probably grabbing something that's really easy. Mm -hmm. You're probably overeating because... We look at it as, you know, we get those like kind of reward home hormones as well that come after that, especially with that stress. And it, it makes us feel better, but it only makes us feel better for that moment.
0: Hell yeah. If I was taking 20 grams of cocaine a day instead of sugar, <laughs> you know, like I always say that to my daughter because she wants these sugary snacks. And I'm like, look, this has like 12 grams of sugar. If I was to give you 12 grams of anything else, I wouldn't be able to be a good parent. Like you're not <laughs> eating this. Get out of here.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and you know, I, I remember Tanesa, who was our last, um, who was our last guest. Great episode. She was mentioning, you know, with stress and with emotion, like all of that. We've tied it, and I'm, I'm a hundred percent guilty of this. So I'm not casting any type of shame because I am also an emo. I, an emotional eater. Sometimes I've wished I was an emotional non-eater. I'm not. (laughs) I'm just like, screw it. I want my damn chicken nuggets. (laughs) So, you know, all of these are everyday factors that influence you and influence your core and influence the way you carry fat within the body or stress within the body. And, And it's all Luckily, little things that can be managed and worked on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love it because, you know, focusing on the way you work out, the things you do, how your body moves, what you're putting into your body, how it's responding to all of those, we're starting to get more and more as an industry of fitness, wellness, whatever it is, in tune with a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, people are starting to use those insulin, um, kind of counters or whatever it is that you would use if you're diabetic and now they're using it for fitness just to see how eating a banana really affects your blood sugars and all oh, those things to really I guess you know like tanessa said biohack a lot of those things mm-hmm. but it's really important you know when's the best time to eat that banana some of those other things like is that really going to be allergies you know mm-hmm. looking into a lot of those things i did when I did my nutritional course when I was learning herbalism that was a big thing because you don't necessarily know because they're not always uh really reactory type of responses Mm -hmm. but it does cause inflammation in the body which leads to health concerns so that that being said you know going into spring i'm really excited about planting all my herbs getting things going. And I wanted to just mention, uh, one in particular, that is fantastic for your health, but it's actually a little endangered because of the over kind of cultivation and farming of it, um, throughout the years. And that is golden seal. Hmm. So that's a a really nice one. And I always like to say, if there's endangered, you know, like ashwagandha, we had that, uh, Nicole on the show, the doctor Mm -hmm. who has an herbal farm in Texas. And if you guys haven't listened to that Episode, go ahead and listen to that one. It was fantastic. Tons of great information if you're looking to grow your own herbs. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you can, instead of outsourcing, plant some of those things yourself. This mm-hmm. is a fantastic one for your health. Um, you know, it's really great if you have, you know, it likes rich moist soil and well-drained soil, so you can even grow some of this stuff in pots because it doesn't really like that kind of wet feet, trench foot type of thing. You know, it doesn't like wet roots. And mm-hmm. its benefits are really digestion support, which we talk about, like we're talking about the core of the body, some of those other things going into di- digestion, immunity, urinary tract support, you know, it's got a ton of different benefits. And it's it's kind of nice to just experiment. You're now putting herbs into your body, into the environment. Maybe you're moving from the house that you were in, you planted in the ground, outs there for the next person. But, you know, if it's endangered, why not just kind of put a little, be the... I don't know, Johnny Appleseed of Golden Seal and start planting that stuff everywhere. Um, really great for cardiovascular systems and your nervous system. Uh, so, yeah. I'm actually happy you mentioned urinary tract support too mm. because
1: um, the core is also connected to the pelvic floor musculature. So people who suffer from little p mm-hmm. you know, they, by, by learning how to, engage that musculature. And this comes, I think, with women who have given birth as well. Right. Um, You are supporting your urinary influences (laughs) Influences,
0: right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so what you happens. Don't have to wear, you know, a pad or a diaper to the, and you know, as women, these are like little nuanced things that like men just don't even realize. Besides, like, oh yeah, you guys get periods, whatever, like, and give birth, like, who cares? But it's like, no, you know, yeah, after giving birth and demolishing your body a lot of the time, if you don't realize that you need that additional support, maybe somebody who can help you with your pelvic floor and some mm-hmm. of those things. You're gonna, you know, unfortunately have those issues. Go to the gym, try to work out, and you're like, oh, well, I sneezed and I peed myself, and now I have to go home and change my pants or whatever it is. So awesome. That's great. And then, you know, for those women out there, and I've seen it, who freaking literally pee their pants, they're working out, they're deadlifting, whatever it is, and then they just keep going. It's like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Like, I I just pissed my pants, but I gotta get through this workout. Like, hell
1: yeah. yeah. I, you know, someone who, doesn't have children, doesn't plan on having children. I actually was never even fully aware of that until I started personal training Mm. and have trained a lot of mothers, predominantly mothers, I would say. And I think I've almost got I think everyone's oh beat a little bit (laughs) in a session with me. And I did not realize that when I first started. So you know it's an interesting thing. It all goes back to how literally everything in the body is connected. Yeah. And you know, it just it shows you that that mindfulness and what we're trying to preach here about just listening to the body mm-hmm. is so important in so many different factors.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So with all of that wealth of information that we just gave you guys, we just have a couple more things to add. And all I wanted to add was how to engage and how to strengthen. So when you're engaging, whether you're seated or standing, like I said, you can engage. And it's the drawing in of the navel to spine. And this is something you could practice at any point in the day. Remember, you're trying to get taller. You One way that you kind of practice is like, that feeling of like what you would do and how you would react if you were going to get punched.
0: Bracing.
1: Yeah. That bracing. And remember it's not so aggressive that you buckle yourself over to where you almost are crunching, but that kind of like that, exactly what Paula said, that bracing of the core, that's going to be that engagement. And I, I encourage you to practice that honestly and try to feel it because it doesn't necessarily click immediately but it will click i used to take my mother's classes she was an aerobics instructor she would always say to engage the core and i never i was like what the hell are you talking about like <laughs> am i pushing it out by engaging it like what am i doing <clears throat> you know it's drawing it in you know it's get, making yourself taller you know it's that bracing so just practice practice it at home and practice that hip tuck so that you're not spilling those contents of your core over Um, remember just because you aren't doing core focused movements doesn't mean you aren't always focused on the core and that being said doing those uh, doing that drawing and doing that engagement while you're in your strengtheners now I talked about not doing a thousand crunches yes crunches can be beneficial because they do hit the rectus abdominis but that shouldn't all be be the end all be all of what you are doing Um, one every movement you can strengthen your core by engaging it that being said You never have to do another crunch in your life. Those rotations, those, uh, when you're keeping your chest up during a squat, that's all core engagement. Every time you balance and stabilize, and I'm sorry, I didn't hit on that too much. That is all core engagement. And that it's really important for your balance as well. So you also have, um, deep strengtheners and stabilizers that should be the foundation of your movements, and then you can make them more dynamic. So starting in that plank, start with a plank on the knees. Your knees just behind your hips is gonna give you a little more core engagement than your knees just underneath your hips. You could then move into an incline, which is also gonna kind of be that progression for you. Um, One of my favorite things to do with Paula, with my clients, with my boot camps, and I heard this from a TRX class I took, was this 10 second on two second off plank Mm -hmm. because then you're not trying to hold for so long that your hips start to sag you lose your engagement if you're trying to hold for a full minute or even longer when you only have 10 seconds or 8 to 10 seconds to hold within that minute and then you give yourself that rest and reset it allows you to hold it as strong as possible for that given amount of time Mm -hmm. i really really suggest doing that before you go into trying to hold a plate for one minute, because I guarantee, unless you've been practicing that already, you're not, Going to be as fully engaged and as supportive as you want to be. Mm. Um, the erector spinae for the back muscles, those Superman poses when you're laying on your stomach and you lift your lower and upper body, that's going to be great for uh, those back muscles. Rotation and twisting movements. One of my favorites, Paul has done this before, is to go into an isometric lunge or like a, but a long lunge. So the back leg is straight rather than bent. You lean forward so that your neck and spine are all in line with your hips, and you slowly rotate. Right. and most people rotate towards the towards the front leg which is great but I also love rotating away from the front leg because I feel like that almost makes you balance a little bit more and brings a, a different kind of component component into it so again remember it's not just so superficial abs you need to think of the entirety of the core cross movements to get in those obliques as well and I will leave you with this quote just to remind you of, of where it, the core is and what it does Core strength is less about power and more about the subtleties of being able to maintain the body in ideal postures to unload the joints and promote ease of of movement. So, when your core is burning after that hard work, don't just think about how it's going to look, but think about all the ways it supports you throughout your entire day and let that motivate you to move and uh, focus on that core a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I love that. And with that, guys, we're going to wrap it up for today. Mm -hmm. We hope you enjoyed the show. Peace and love, everyone, and we'll see you next time.